What's up, coaches? Uh, probably by the time you're hearing this, uh, the Super Bowl will be over, and it'll be a long six, seven months till football is finally back. So uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying what we're putting out. Uh, we want to try to be your fix uh, for football. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, you've signed up for the free virtual summit coming up February 18th. And uh, you are also um, subscribed to RTP Premium, where we bring you guys a bunch of other football-related uh, videos. Uh, Coach Walls just came out with his latest install on RTP install, a 58-59 with the fullback and uh, tight end tags, which is uh, our outside zone. So you guys be sure to check that out. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're an individual looking for a personal playbook tool or on staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. This week, we'd like to tell you about their newest product, My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. That's myjustplay.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sports Performance Tracking, or SPT. Sports Performance Tracking is a wearable GPS device that athletes can actually wear during football games. GPS analytics has been used at the pro level, but never filtered its way all the way down to college and high school until now. With GPS tracking, coaches can measure workload of a player to ensure that they aren't overworking or underworking. SPT is used by almost 25,000 athletes around the globe, from professional football clubs in Europe to high schools in Texas. SPT allows coaches to understand their players' fitness levels and compare to other players. One coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe said, there's no more hiding behind effort. Get the best out of your players and keep them injury-free with SPT. Go to sptgps.com for more information. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is team. B-U-I-L-D-R dot com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Josh Stratton. Coach Stratton is currently the head football coach at Canal Winchester High School in Canal Winchester, Ohio. Listen as we talk with Coach Stratton about his football coaching journey, how coaching basketball has helped his football career, and how he has successfully built programs using the formula of increasing the dedication and commitment inside the weight room. You can follow Coach Stratton on Twitter at StrattonJosh. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, um, you know, my name is Josh Stratton. I'm the head football coach at Canal Winchester High School in uh, Canal Winchester, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. Um, and uh, I, uh, I started coaching here in Columbus when I was 20 years old. I was coaching basketball at Gahanna Lincoln High School here on the east side of Columbus. Um, and then 
and I, I was going to Ohio State at the time, and then I, I transferred down to Moorhead State University in Kentucky, where I finished my my degree um, in, in history and geography, and then I immediately started coaching again as soon as I was done and teaching um, at in Dry Ridge, Kentucky. Uh, I've been all over, uh, and uh, <laughs> Dry Ridge at at Grant County High School, and I coach uh, boys basketball there, and then. Um, I met the, uh, I met the, uh, the football coach at like new teacher orientation because he was a new hire too. And uh, Mike Davis and still one of my best friends and best mentors. And he was like, you know, just got, that's how I met him was at new teacher orientation. And then one thing led to another. And after that season, he was like, Hey, I really need somebody to coach my, my son. He's a quarterback. He's like, I can't keep coaching my own kid. And I was like, all right, I never coached, you know, I played football in high school, but I'd never coached it before. And I played receiver and he was like, don't worry about it. You'll learn <laughs> as you go. And I did. I probably learned, I always tell everybody, I probably learned more from Andrew um, his senior year than, than he learned from me. That's for sure. Um, and then a uh, uh, long story, but I, I, I left there after a couple of years and went out to uh, Herculaneum, Missouri, which is just south of St. Louis. Um and I was a, I got a head boys basketball job there um, at the bright the bright age of 27, um, and they were looking for a head boys basketball coach who could also coach uh, football, preferably offense, and and a social studies teacher. So I checked all their boxes. That's, that's, right. that's the reason why. <laughs> all the reason why I got hired was because I checked all the boxes. To say how many different plans did you have teaching social studies there? Um, I was a really good gig. Um, I'm trying to think my first year, I think I taught, um, just two, maybe two classes. Uh, my second year there, I taught like a bunch of ACT prep and, um, nice. some, uh, AP, some AP gov and a little bit of us, but it was, it was, I tell you what, that was a great place to work. Um, if it wasn't so far away from home, I think I might've never left. <laughs> Um, I some, had, of those, you know, some of those AP, some of those AP teachers don't don't get the real life. Sometimes there's people that that in our building, all they've taught is AP kids, and they're like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. All my kids are great. They come to school ready to learn every day. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I bet they do. Yeah, your your kid didn't get evicted in the middle of the night and sleep in exactly a car. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can I you hear have you. your homework done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the lights weren't on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, I've worked all over, but yeah, that was a, that was a great place. And I, I did both sports for two years there and worked for a hall of fame coach there, Stan Helms. And then basically um, I, you know, I, I probably had no business being a head coach, but we had a little bit of success there in the two years we were there and um, turned the program around. And, and then uh, I wanted to get back closer to home. My brother had gotten married and, and, and had had a daughter and um, so families, for the first time in my life, family kind of started to be a priority for me. Um, and I ended up getting closer to home. I ended up in northern Kentucky, which is just across the river from Cincinnati. So I'm about two hours from home. Um, and uh, I coached. And that's when I hung up the basketball whistle and just stuck with football. And I was an assistant at Covington Holmes. For two years and we probably had arguably the two most successful years in school history those two years um two district titles and 
um, my quarterback the second year I coached, I coached him. He was a district player of the year. And, um, we, I think we went like a nine, nine games the first year, eight games the second year. Um, and then I got a head football job. So, um, from there at, uh, Lloyd Memorial high school, which is in Northern Kentucky, was right down the road from Covington Holmes. Um, and, um, took over a program there that had had some down years, but had some tradition. Um, they just fall on some tough times. And in our second year, we were able to turn things around and win eight games. And we were six points away from, um, from the regional championship or making it to the regional championship. And, uh, and then from there, I found, I, I crossed the river and finally made my way back home to the state of Ohio where I'm from. And uh, went to New Richmond High School, which is right on the river, um, on the east side of Cincinnati. Another school with great tradition, but I had a, you know, had a, had a bad year um, the year before I got there. Um, we were able to have a, a real nice four-year run, probably the most successful four-year run in school history. Um, went nine and one in our first year, and, and then the next three years won three league titles two playoff appearances, playoff win, and went 10-2 our last last year there, went 10 in a row. We lost week one and week 12. <laughs> and um, and then, yeah, yeah, it was a great group of kids. And then uh, and then I got the job up here at um, Canal Winchester. Um, again, kind of a common theme. Another program that had some tradition um, – of, of winning, but had fallen on some hard times. It's, it's the fastest growing community in, in all of central Ohio. And it went from, and it blew up and kind of became too big for the league that they were in. They were dominating winning league titles and everything. And the league kind of was like, it's time for you to go. So they, they jumped up to the big, uh, the big boy league here in central Ohio, the OCC, the Ohio capital conference, which arguably is the best athletic conference in the whole state of Ohio there's six different divisions within uh, within the conference, and they they had a rough they had a rough go uh, their first four years in the league. Uh, I think it was four, um, and then um, and then I got I got hired in December of 2016, um, right after that great 10 and two year in Richmond, and um, and my first year last last year in 2017 we made it to the, we won six games and made it to the playoffs. Um, won the first OCC game in school history. And then this year we lost week one and then ran off nine in a row and won the first league title, went undefeated in the league, um, you know, um, all that stuff. And it's had a great year and, and returns 15 lettermen for next year. So um, hopefully, you know, we, we don't plan on taking any steps back. Um, but, yeah, it's a, what a long, strange trip it's been. To quote the Grateful Dead, uh, for me, I've kind of been all over it. Um, but I definitely, you know, it's definitely what I was, you know, I tell everybody I was put on this earth to, to be my little girl's dad and, and coach ball. Um, so I just, and I think that uh, there was definitely a, a purpose for me to be here at Canal. It's been just a whole lot of things falling into place here for us, for me and my family. My wife loves it here. You know, we're now we're 20 minutes away from our, from all of our family, um, her family, my family. So we're both from, we both went to high school together here in central Ohio. So um, this has kind of been a perfect fit for us to come, to come back here at Canal. And again, it's a, 
you know, fastest growing community in central Ohio. And we got a lot of great people involved with like our boosters and things like that. that really want to make things happen. We got a lot of excitement around the program right now. The athletic department as a whole, um, young or not young, but, um, new athletic director. Uh, I think, you know, I think he hired a new baseball coach and then hired me like a month later. Um, those were his, that was like the first four months on the job for him. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Right. Hiring a head football coach, <laughs> not yeah, be on the job smart. very long. That's yeah. He, he's a, he's a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the military, from the army. Um, and, uh, so he, he kind of brings a different perspective, you know, not having an education background, which I think is, is great. Yes. I think that, mm-hmm. I think that's needed desperately, um, in high school athletics, in my opinion, but so he's another reason why I thought this was a great job too. And, um, he's, he, you know, he's got a mission, a vision for our athletic department and, uh, mine is in for our football programs in line with his and, you know, we're working together to try to, you know, build a, a top rate athletic department. He's doing a great job of that. So it's fun to be a part of. Well, obviously, ob- yeah, well, Take obviously, breath, um, obviously going from, uh, just just age experience is going to help you as a head coach, but uh, was there many parallels or, or many things that you could take from being a basketball head coach uh, that, that helped you when you finally were a head coach in football, or uh, was it a, a pretty different thing? I, I know there are some huge differences even just from, you know, the amount of kids that are on the team, and, and, and I know practices have got to be quite a bit different, even just dealing with the size of, of the court compared to the field as far as you know, getting people where they need to be, but were there some parallels that you think kind of helped you since you, uh, you know, your first head coaching job, um, after being a basketball head coach? Wow. Um, well, I think honestly managing, um, you know, managing people, obviously, um, from assistant coaches to, to booster, you know, uh, people and, and dealing with parents, excuse me, is, uh, I mean, that, that, that doesn't change. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, no matter what school you're at, okay, um, parents are going to love their kids, <laughs> you know, and they're <laughs> going right. to think, you know what I'm saying? It, their, their love sometimes blinds them a little bit from reality, but, you know, we can't, you know, can't uh, crucify them for that. And But but dealing with that and getting them to be in line with your vision, mission for the program doesn't change. But in terms of, like, the, the, the organization and – uh, of, of running a football programs compared to a basketball program, I think is like night and day. I mean, you could run a basketball program on two thousand dollars, you know, right. um, and, and and run a football program you better have about fifty grand a year at least um, to get things done. And it's just, yeah, it's completely different. Um, I think uh, it's, you know the size of the staff, the number of players, the equipment, um, organization and practice, but you know. You know, those things are different, but the bottom line is like building relationships with kids and getting kids to work hard and play for each other. That doesn't change no matter what sport you're coaching. You know, if that if that's what drives what you do, it doesn't matter what sport you're coaching, you're gonna be successful. You know, build relationships with kids and, and get them to to play for each other and love each other and you know, we always say like celebrate other people's success, you know, like even if, you know, so we, we want to celebrate like, you know, other sports in our athletic program and things like that. And, you know, things people that people do in our community, because, you know, we live in a jealous world right now where it's all about me, 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 me. And right. pe- yeah. people will never take time to celebrate successes of other people. 
um, for, for whatever reason, because their own ego gets in the way. So, you know, I think, you know, trying to just get kids to put other people in front of themselves. We try to do community service like crazy. We do like six or seven community service projects like years of football program here at Canal. Um, that's more than I've ever done. And, uh, you know, it's, um, just the longer I do it, the more I think that stuff's important. And I've got assistant coaches who believe in that as well. And, you know, help me out with that stuff, which is great. And, um, but really, man, I think coaching kids is coaching kids. I think boys, girls doesn't matter. I never coach girls, but I have two daughters and, you know, I, I think that, I don't think it matters. I really don't. Um, the, the management of the size of a football program compared to basketball though, is night and day, <laughs> night and day. Coach, you've had a lot of success from what it sounds like, you know, kind of <clears throat> turning around programs. You said it a couple of times, you know, you went to, to places that had, had fallen on hard times. What, what are some keys? And you've probably hit on a, a few of them. I know talking about, you know, your community service and getting people to kind of pull in the same direction. But what what might be a couple of keys that you think, you know, maybe you've learned in the past and you've implemented and you know, hey, this has really made us successful in other places. And you know what? We're see, starting to see that really take shape at Canal. You got it. Um, you got to increase commitment level, um, specifically in the off season. And you got to work. <laughs> That's the bottom yeah. line. I mean, there's, 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 no, there's, there's no substitute for hard work. You know, you can be really cool with that dry erase marker all you want. <laughs> if your kids don't, if your if your kids don't work their tail off, man, if they don't give you game game like reps in practice, if they don't if they don't love the weight room, okay, I, okay, they don't have to love the weight room, but they need to like it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so we try to we try to create an environment in our in our off season strength program, and the coaches that know me, college coaches and high school coaches that know me, they know I'm really really passionate about the weight room. Uh, you wouldn't know it to look at me. Um, <laughs> I look like a basketball coach. We'll put it that way, right? And, but, but I really, I, I really think that that's a big reason why we've been successful in all of our different stops. Um, is we we get kids bigger and stronger, um, and we build a culture of work within our weight program. And we're and we're fast. Like you know, our kids get out of school at two fifteen. They're and they have to walk across, you know, a quarter mile across the parking lot to our field house. They'll be dressed and warming up in the weight room uh, by two twenty-five, two twenty-eight. Jeez! And and we're rolling, and they're out of there at ten till four, and that's seventy kids. We'll roll seventy kids through there, and you know, and we're they're home. They could be home by four ten every day if they wanted to. So we go four days a week. We don't do three. We do four. We go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and uh, just because it, it fits our program, that's what I what I believe. But um, and uh, but we get in, get out. You know, we go hard, and we don't waste people's time. I, I think I think it's really really important to be efficient when running a program, yeah. not only for your players but for your coaches, man. Especially as we get older, if you want to keep good coaches around when they get older and they have and they have a wife and kids, don't waste their time. You know, don't waste their time. Be efficient with what you do. And uh, so I really try to, like, our practices, I try to – I'm not one of those guys that stands there and is like, run it again, run it again. You know, you know we script everything, and, you know, this is a lot of time you have, and we're going to go fast. We're going to get reps in. We're going to film everything, coach off film, coach on the fly, and, and get people out of there. If you can't do that, then you're not doing your job as a coach, you know. 
Man, you're so. speaking you're speaking my language. That's exactly right. You know what? And it it I think, you know, it just as being when I've been a part of some of those programs, I've been I've played for some of those programs, I've played for programs that are the opposite. You want to work a lot harder for the groups that they're like, okay, we're only going to be here an hour and a half, but we're going to bust our ass for an hour and a half. And when we're uh-huh. done, we're done. You know, I, I, and I hear a lot of college coaches, and I've seen two different ones. I've been to places like Michigan when I've gone and watched, and they've had a four-and-a-half-hour practice. And you're like, golly. And then I've also been to some colleges, some you know, some big-time colleges that, um, you know, they're scripted to go two hours, but everything went really well. And after an hour 45, they were done. And so they didn't stay out there an extra 15 just to stay out there. They were done. All right, let's go in. And, right. and to me, that was just, like you said, just such a much more efficient use of their time. The kids were flying around. And when they're done, they're done. Yeah, we, I, I, tell, I tell all my assistants, like, you can be home for dinner before, at 6 o'clock every night if you choose to. You can eat dinner with your family, you know, Every day except Friday, obviously. Friday, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. Friday's game day. Ain't nobody seeing their family till after the game. But <laughs> you know, we, you know, that, and I, I don't know. Just the longer I do it, and the, and honestly, how practice is a huge, huge priority for me. Like, I want to be. I want people. I want people to go like come and watch us practice and be like, how do you do that? Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't really want we could talk skiing if you want and stuff like that. We were really good on defense this year. Like, you know, gave a really good on defense, but yeah, that's great. But the way, the reason why we're on defense is how we practice and, you know, the kind of 80, 20 principle, you know, we're going to take 20%. Uh, we're going to focus on 20% of the skills you need to be successful and we're going to be really, really good at it. So we can get an 80% return. And that's what, that was our big focus this year. Like you were not allowed to teach more than five skills in your position group. That was it. So you better figure out what are the five most important skills your position group needs to have, and you drill that. Um, our defense, we do everything in circuits. They get seven minutes of Indy a day, seven to seven to ten minutes of Indy a day. That's it. Hmm. Every, everything's done in circuits. It's common language, common technique, all that stuff for our defense so and our offense is going to we're going to try to get even more aligned similar to that with our offense next year like a blocking circuit and things like that like teaching blocking everything the same way but yeah it's um it's fun our kids love it the way we practice our kids love it and our coach and my coaches love it um they you know i've got guys that have been on staff here at this school for 14 15 years and they're like i'm the best i've ever been Hmm. as a coach because of the way we practice and you have to get better in order to practice at that tempo and to do the things that we do. And, um, and sometimes I'm kind of a jerk. So I, <laughs> I demand, I demand a lot out of them and they, they always, they always answer the bell though. They're great. Um, great guys. But yeah, I think, I think it's huge being efficient with your time and, and, but that, you know, that takes, you know, the planning on the front end of it and, um, you gotta have a plan, know what you're gonna do, and and you know one thing we did when I first got here. Now I didn't really have, we didn't really do it this year because we had I didn't have any staff turnover. But when I first got here, and this is something that I, if I were to ever go to another program, I would do this. Is we went at, before we ever practiced together. I went out on the field and I walked them through what a practice looks like. Hmm. like we went through the practice schedule together. It's gonna be here on the 25 yard line at this time. 
this is what we need. This is who's doing what. And I went through every segment of practice with the whole staff. Um, and, um, I mean, that's something I stole from somebody else. I'm not smart enough to think of that on my own. But um, so when we went out there, our kids weren't like our kids were confused, right? But like our coaches weren't, so our kids felt more comfortable because they're like, "Oh wow, everybody knows what's going on." So you know, Huge. you always yes, absolutely. I, I really advise that um, to anybody that starts over a program. And if, and if I and you know, I'm reevaluating how we practice for next year and. You know, we're going to change a lot of things offensively next year. Like, well, I'm probably going to do that with my offensive staff this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk through a practice before we walk, before we actually do it. So, you know, that was one of my pet peeves. Still, is kind of this day is like, it never made sense to me. And like, a coach would give really bad instructions or not really say it well or know what they want, and they'd be like, "Get just get in a line." And then the kids would get in like a you know a line laterally instead of horizontally or whatever. And they'd just start screaming, no, that's not what I want. And for whatever reason, that always was a pet peeve to me. It was like, if you would just tell us exactly or if we'd have gone over this in meetings or whatever, you wouldn't have to be screaming at me because I can't understand you. That's not my fault. You know what I mean? I'm, I am. You're not giving very good instructions. And we've had 30 minutes to meet before practice. Why was this not gone over? Right. And, you know, most of us are teachers, right? That's just good teaching. Right. You know, I mean <laughs> – if you did that in the classroom, it'd be a disaster, right? <laughs> That's right. I see. So. I, I, I remember watching, I mean, they had the, the preseason thing with, with Saban, you know, and, and that was one of the things I'd noticed. He, he was calling out his, his coaches because, you know, they're, they're reviewing the first practice. Yeah, they're line coaches about the half line, right? Yeah. They, uh, the guys mm-hmm. didn't, know, didn't know where to go and, and what to do, and he's like, yeah, that's on you guys. You know, we either didn't cover it in meetings or you guys – hadn't talked about it with the kids and said, but that was a joke and that's all on you guys. And that won't happen again. So, I mean, uh, coach Shenander from Nebraska, he'd said the same thing when I went and met with him about, you know, he's like, we're completely shocking the culture there. They'd gone from Riley huddle. We're going to, we're not, we're going to lift, you know, sporadically. And, but now we're going to go all up tempo condition and it's going to be super fast. So like the day before they had their spring, you know, spring ball the next day, he said they did the same thing. They, they met for like 15 minutes, and then he's like, all right, everybody out on the field. Okay, here, here's going to be the first period, and here's what you're going to do. Here's the second period. He's like, because he knew how big of a shock it was going to be to these kids because they'd never seen anything like that before. And for them to have to mm-hmm. sit there and, and waste time, he's like, that, that would have completely been on us. So he did the exact same thing you're talking about, but he even took the kids out there and said, this is what you guys are going to have exactly. Yeah, it's crucial. It really is. Because then your your blood pressure gets up and things are going as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you can try to spin it at the end of practice if you want, make kids feel better. But the bottom line is, did you get better that day? You know? Or did you maximize did you maximize the practice time that you had? Well, if you didn't, then that's on in my opinion, that's on the head coach. Like you gotta make sure that you got everything ready to roll. So when we have a bad practice, I do. I put it on myself a lot. So take it personal um, yeah absolutely because it's well it's something that i that i it's part of what i believe is our plan to win you know we're going to dominate the all season we're going to have incredible energy and, and and love for each other and we're going to practice really really well like our kids are going to be so i want them to be so comfortable on friday that you know they don't they, they just they just know when they walk on the field like all right it's it's, it's payday you know so 
I thought I thought you were going to go off on Coach Harper back there when he when he actually said the the name of the team up north. No, I'm not one of those. <laughs> I'm not one of those crazy like, Buckeye fans. Like I don't know, I don't know if Harper's stepping on on thin ice here or not. That was kind of um, funny. No, no. Was it was it a hardball practice? Because I'll bet those are long. Oh yeah, it was hardball. Oh, we went up there and watched oh. the spring. It was spring practice, and it was all of legitimately four hours, if not longer. Now they count kind of a walkthrough as part of practice, but it was. I was tired uh-huh. watching practice. Like, uh, uh, legs were tired. I was just – they did some kind of funky stuff in the middle. But – and I'm sure, you know, they've done some good things and, and they do well. I mean, uh, I'm I'm definitely not the coach that they are, but it was uh, – it's a stark contrast between them and some other colleges I've been to. So, teach their own. But for me, it was long, long, long. Uh-huh. I've been. I tell you what. I think that's my favorite thing to do is go to college practices, and I love it. Um, what are some of the best ones you've been to, Coach? Um. Well, I mean, high state's pretty impressive, but um, I that kind of goes without saying. But I, I think the first college practice I ever went to was on Butch Jones at UC, mm-hmm. and and I was like, wow. <laughs> and that's what kind of like when the light bulb really kind of first went off for me, and I was like, if I can if I can recreate this at the high school level, it could be something special, you know, the tempo and the music and, you know, um, the competitiveness trying to, in the, you know, every day we try to make more and more competitive drills. But, and then, uh, I just, you know, that was, that was really good. And then like, then Tuberville came in and it was like, not even close. Right. <laughs> like just, you know, just again, like all, all great coaches, but just complete polar opposite in terms of like energy and tempo. And now Coach Fickle's practices are much more like, you know, Butch Jones's practices in terms of intensity and tempo and excitement. Um, I've been to um, uh, Mizzou practice when uh, Gary Pinkle was at Missouri. Those were great practices. So long ago, I'm trying to remember. Um, I've been at uh, UK practice when Mark Stoops first got there. And a lot of the guys that were on Tuberville staff are actually on his staff now. It's funny. Hmm. Um, uh, Rich Rodriguez, when he was at West Virginia, was the first practice I ever went to. Uh, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> but like, In great. a good way or what? <laughs> he's, he's, an, he, he, he's a fiery guy. Um, interest, like, uh, I tell you what, though, like um, – really really great tempo super competitive the practices are super competitive and nobody nobody even jogged around they ran they sprinted everywhere they went it was good Mm. stuff um so those are some of the and then i've been to obviously some high school a bunch of high school practices but um sure yeah that is that is interesting that's kind of an and and you can see like you said guys that are polar opposite some of them that don't work out but some that are polar opposite and both programs are are uh you know very very good programs so it's kind of cool it's kind of you know interesting to see and and see kind of what you'd like to mold your own practice after or uh you know when i go i try to watch indy uh offensive line indy obviously because i'm a, an offensive line coach but uh to kind of see some of the differences and and there's some of the offensive line coaches that are really into shoots and and sleds and bags and all sorts of bells and whistles and then you see you know, mm-hmm. Some of the coaches that are um, more into blocking against bodies and 
and just just all the differences and and uh, you know still two really good offensive line coaches, but uh, two polar opposite ways to go about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, uh, Ron Crooks at UC right now. He's on Fickle staff. He's Fickle's O line coach. Uh, he'll use bags, but you'll know he no shoots. Um, you know, I've never seen any, any shoot work with him whatsoever. He's like, you don't have a shoot on Saturday. That's right. I've <laughs> always been adamantly against shoots. To me, they just didn't make any sense. I mean, what, what, yeah. it maybe, and I'm sure they do because some really great coaches use them, but um, at least to me in my high school, it's, I've got a couple of six, five guys. I got a couple of guys that are, you know, five, nine on a good day. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, unless I was able to raise and lower the shoot every time for those guys, but then it'd be at a perfect angle. So they're not hunched over. And, and like you said, you're not going to get to use that in the game. And then um, on top of all that, that just slows everything else down, you know? So now I'm going from, I could have been getting 10 reps a person. Now I'm getting six reps a person. And that adds up mm-hmm. every day. And, and now I'm out hundred, 200, 300 reps because I want to put them underneath that shoot and take the time to do that. And uh, when, when it's, kind of in my opinion it's your job as the coach to make the kids play low if you want them to play low so watch them in indie and and teach them how to play low don't don't put a shoot over the top of them and say don't hit your head on the shoot right right if you talk about hand placement if you put your hands in the right spot you're gonna have on the, on the defender you're gonna have good pad level you know right. what i mean yeah, you have to yeah you know on, on a zone step your backside hand if you bring it to the towards the belt it, it makes your pad level stay low you know what i mean so that's one of the things we teach so hmm. but um yeah hand placement hand placement will help you keep your pad level down <laughs> also you can you know, pad level down you're gonna get your ass kicked so <laughs> yeah that's a that's feedback. a really quick uh feedback for you <laughs> <laughs> hey hey uh, coach uh, I get your opinion on, and I, I would assume that you, as a head coach, you don't coach a position. Is that right? Um, I did not. Li- well, I tell you what, I, I kind of, I wasn't supposed to last year, and I ended up coaching free. I know, right? I ended up coaching free safety. Um, it just really just made sense for us what we were doing uh, defensively. Um, the free safety uh, just really kind of needed its own coach. Um, because uh, our other safeties played down closer to the box, and yeah. and um, so I, I I started coaching the free safeties um, like week two, and then coaching the rest of the year. My first year at Canal, I coached the O line with uh, a young guy who just college, and uh, he did a great job. Um, and uh, this past year, I you know I cut him loose, and they're they're his unit, let him go. But um, next year. Um, I probably am going to have an offensive position. Um, I think I might I might end up coaching tight ends. Um, we're going to do a little bit be a little bit more of a tight end heavy uh, system next year, uh, as opposed to what we've been in the last two. So um, I think we're going to need just I don't I don't know yet, but I've kind of I've I've not coached a position and I've coached a position and um, I, for a long time I coached quarterbacks. Um, it was really nice the last two years to not have to coach quarterbacks. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> after doing it for so long, uh, it was really nice to get away from quarterbacks and do something different. First of all, I always wanted to coach O-line. So when I came here, I was like, yes. Um, 
the best and, uh, I, coach. Oh man, they're absolutely. I mean, uh, you better have some great culture in that in that unit for sure. And um, but you know, um, my line coach, like I said, young guy um, who played at Canal, um, had a really nice career here. Played played Division three uh, ball here in Columbus. And, um, our kids love him. He does a great job. He's really smart. He's got great eyes. You know, when you're a young coach, how guys ball watch, right? Yeah, because they're because they're fans. They're not coaches yet. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's his eyes are so good that like I figured like it took me like five practices and I was like, oh, he's gonna be really good. His like he was finishing my sentences like he was seeing it the same time and I was like, that's good stuff. So his eyes are always in the right spot, um, which which I love. Man, that was so frustrating. Uh, my first year coaching offensive line because I had Walls who had done it um, at in college or GA'd at least in college and and had been around a long time. And then our head coach who was a ten year NFL offensive lineman. Um, and so they kind of you know they they let me go and but kind of watched after me the whole time. But man, it was like they saw everything uh, all the time, and it was like I I very rarely saw the same things that they saw. You know, I was looking at – I hadn't figured out – you know, I was just learning – you know, I knew kind of how to teach some of the stuff. But like you talk about, there's certain things that you've got to watch, you know, for a play that if you've ran it – if you've coached it 200 times, you kind of know where the problems are going to be depending on what front it is. Right? So you watch whatever, the double team, and then if you get some pressure on the backside, you probably know there's probably the backside linebacker running through or your tackle didn't gap pinch to him or whatever it is. But – that first year, you don't know that. And that was so disheartening to me to be like, man, these guys are – it wasn't like I was like, oh, they've developed a skill over a few years. Obviously, now they're really good at it. It was just like, man, these guys are just so much better, God-gifted at seeing things at football. Um, and now I'm starting to see some of those things, and it's like, okay, all right, I'm not, I'm not um, blind. I'm just now picking it up and starting to understand it. Yeah. It, and I think it it all boils down to yeah, just knowing where your where your eyes go, uh, you know, when the ball snaps and things like that. But um, but yeah, absolutely, you know exactly. Uh, we always laugh. Um, anytime, anytime we have a uh, a negative run or you know, it's like, well, didn't get to the mic because <laughs> it always always seems to be the mic back that we don't get to. We stayed on the double too long or over overshot it or whatever but um um yeah that's that's our inside joke in our offense didn't get the mic i'll tell you another thing that makes it really nice having a, a guy that understands the run game uh if you're an offensive line coach is that uh i've i've been around some coaches where anytime the run game isn't successful it's the offensive lineman's fault oh uh, well the linebacker made the play so it's the lot you know it's the lineman's fault where if someone that understands run game understands you know on certain zones the tailback needs to set up the linebacker for the lineman if they want to do you know block it the way that everyone says you want it to be blocked and on you know certain gap schemes you can't bounce you got to be tight um or else you don't have anything out there and and part of Mm -hmm. you know and then the guys that are really good see oh well the tailback's wide because the quarterback's not staying off the midline um you know when he's reversing out and that's pushing him out and so it all looks bad on the offensive line but it's really nice when you've got an OC or a head coach that understands all of that and how all of that plays into uh you know how the offensive line's blocking 
Right. Just like um, if you, you know, if you scramble and then you get sacked when the pocket was where it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? Like, oh, oh they gave up a sack. No, the quarterback got a sack because he's an idiot. He didn't stay in the pocket. Like, they're not blocking that guy for you to run. They're blocking they're, – they're pass setting to keep you behind them, right? Right. Uh, but that's just like zone blocking, right? For How many times have you heard offensive people or just football people in general say, oh, we can't run zone because we, we just don't have the linemen to do that? Well, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Like, what does that, that mean? It's exactly it's, right. It's – it seems in double teams, man. Like I don't understand what that means. Like it's it's you two for you two, right? And you're mm-hmm. probably and you're reading somebody. So it's 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 I, I it blows me away when people say that, and I go, no. Do you have a back that can read it, right? Or a guy that can coach because, it? Because right, exactly right. Like because where the ball inserts is just as important as anything else. And if the ball doesn't insert in the right spot in the zone you're screwed but the beauty of zone is if they don't fit it right they have to be so disciplined in their fits the defense that when the back does know where to insert the ball if they don't fit it exactly right you're you're gone that's right (laughs) like it's a there's free safeties making tackles and that ain't good (laughs) so um you know that's i i think that that that's why i mean i love we were inside i was i've been an inside zone guy like hanging my hat on that for since 2013 uh, you know a lot and um and then this year we started to run a little bit more gap scheme mainly because the back had trouble reading the zone right you know mm-hmm. but when, when but when you know when the crap hits the fan and they're bringing pressures and they're stunting my line coach says run inside zone our kids because they know like they've had so many reps running inside zone that it doesn't matter what front or what stunts or where you're playing or whatever, they're, they're going to fit it up and we're going to get positive yards. You know, even if the back puts it in the wrong, inserts it in the wrong spot, we're still going to get something. We're still going to get a hat on a hat. Um, and you don't have to worry about leak throughs and things like that on the backside, you know, like you do with gap schemes. So, um, but we, we've had a lot of success running inside zone, but I think we're going to evolve a little bit more and run a little bit more, you know, power counter buck things like that. So, yeah, uh, this year, this year at Broken Arrow, we were we were heavy power, but it was kind of the first few weeks we weren't real good at zone. Our tailback, he's not necessarily a, he doesn't see zone well. He doesn't he doesn't press the heel line before he cuts. He just didn't have the greatest vision. But he's a big, you know, heavyweight wrestler, two hundred twenty pounds, and and runs pretty quick and a tough kid. So we're we're a heavy gap scheme, but just kind of knowing what we were going to get on into the playoffs, we knew that inside zone needed to be a good play for us. So we worked it, worked it, worked it, and then uh, by the last, you know, the three game last three games in the playoffs, uh, we were uh, by the by the finals, we were more inside zone than we ran power, uh, you know, or any gap scheme, uh, simply because, like you said, we could get in one tight end or two tight ends, even have a fullback, and then we seal off the back edge. Everyone blocked their zone, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's taken care of. We've got a lot of double teams. Let our tail back. Even if he doesn't hit it perfectly, he's going to hit it downhill hard, and he's going to get three to four, you know, possibly five yards, especially when we get to mm-hmm. seal with that fullback. It was really, really good for us. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I agree. Like, it's – and it, the reason – there's a reason why everybody in college runs it too. 
because on every given Saturday, you're going to see every front under the sun. Right. And it it creates a nice system where your guys don't have to think. They just communicate their line calls and they go. Um, And that's, you know, your, your gap schemes, really good run, you know, running teams, your gap schemes are your compliments to your zone game. Um, like I said, you know, for the first time in a long time, I think next year we're going to evolve a little bit differently just, just because it fits our kids, right? You want to put our kids in the best position to be successful. The running back we had this year, we started a freshman. We Mm. started a a 14 year old this year. So yeah. And he, he thought everything was about, and he wasn't in eighth grade and he wasn't the fastest kid on the field anymore. uh, but he never, I mean, he ran for 1200 yards, but, yeah. um, I, but I, I, most of it, most of his big runs were, were power and counter. Um, we had a nice physical tight end or H back that we used, but the, the cutback on zone, like yeah. that's, that's, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And he just, he just never found it. And then we, we, we played another back too. It was kind of like a change up. He was a smaller, quicker guy. And he played there. He was a year older, two years older. Sorry. So he, he played it last year. You know, when I came in, he played a little tailback for us. So he knew where the sweet spot was. So he was a nice little change up for us. He'd come in and give the puppy a, a blow every once in a while and, and give us some nice big runs. So uh, he always hit that cut back. But um, that's, uh, yeah, that's where the game's won. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how good your skill guys are, man. If you, <laughs> if you, if you don't have guys up front that are going to play together, yeah, I'm not saying you got to have, you know, big giant maulers. You either have guys that move their feet and play together. I think those are the two most important things. Move your feet and play together. And on the other side of the ball, too, you better have you better have some dudes up front on defense that are going to stop the run or you have a long year. No doubt. Yeah, if you got to you got to scheme up ways to stop the run or you got to scheme up ways to put pressure on the passer, it's it's going to be a long year. If you're playing defense, I think if you got three, yeah. four dudes that you know that can rush the passer and can stop the run, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Stop the run in high school football. If you can't run and you can't stop the run, you're not going to win a whole lot of a whole lot of championships. You know, I just the longer you coach, the more you realize it ain't. It's, it's just it's just a different game, I think, than what you see on Saturdays. You know, on TV. Everybody loves watching, you know, your, your, your guys' boy there in Oklahoma. I mean, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley is an offensive <laughs> guru, right? He's an offensive guru. But it's hard to do that stuff um, with the kids that we get. You know what I mean? So, um, you better you, – which they run the ball pretty effectively. But you got to – or, heck, you guys are like the, the offensive, you know, the, the, it's like the offensive state. Right, because you got you got my man, you got my man Mike Gundy, at Oklahoma State there too. It's, you know, throws the ball fifty-two times a game. Same thing at Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa's yeah. the, the spread it around, spread it and throw it around, and and uh, yeah, we got to go out at Broken Arrow. We got to go hours and hours out of our way to find any offenses that are similar to ours. You know, we're a two tight end or one tight end and a fullback. We're we, we're based out of twenty-one personnel, so. To find any of that, we had to go down to Rice this year, and uh, the plan was to make the pilgrimage up to North Dakota. Uh, but now they're going to think they're going to come down to Kansas State. It looks like so. 
we'll get a little bit closer of a trip. But uh, nobody anywhere close um, last year that that we could go and and pick up some stuff that fit uh, our type of offense. It is. It's hard. That's why I like to. I like to really branch out in different high schools that, that you know being successful doing certain schemes and you know trade film with them in the off season and um, you know get together. We have, um, there's a lot of guys in, in Ohio that'll get together. We have these little like round tables uh, a couple couple times in off season where we'll get together on like a Saturday morning at somebody's school. We'll all you know take turns kind of hosting and we just come in and just you know, whiteboard and a bunch of chairs and just start talking ball, hmm. you know, and, um, how does the guy get usually, invited to that coach? Come on. I, I know. Right. Hey, well, I, I, if you want to get on a plane, <laughs> might be a long <laughs> trip to Ohio, but I tell you what, these are some of the best things I've done. And I, I keep telling like, my young assistants, like none of them have gone with me yet. I'm like, guys, this is the best thing we do. Like, hmm. I know you guys like going and watching the Buckeyes practice in the spring when we all go together. <laughs> that's great. That's great because you're still being a fan, but these round tables that I go to, you'll learn more football there than you will watch Ohio State practice because these are some great high school coaches that are really successful in our state that get together and just share ideas because they, cause they want to win because they don't have egos. They don't think they know it all. You know what I mean? Is that something that uh, you, you noticed in, in the other states that you coached in too, or you think that's kind of something that's um, kind of unique to the area that you're at right now? Because – I, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches that are obviously are open book, tell you whatever, but then I also know quite a bit that uh, they think they got the secret stuff and they don't want to share it with anybody. Uh, mostly college coaches are like that, but um, some high school guys like that as well. Yeah, college guys are, are like that. Um, I, I tell you what, when I coached basketball, everybody had the secret sauce. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, I've, and I've, got, I've got this six, seven kid that averages 35 a game. That's the, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. It's my out of bounds play. It's like, really? Whatever. <laughs> and, but, but, but football guys for the most part, like ever since I first started coaching the sport, I think it kind of been an open book hmm. um, in terms of trading ideas. I mean, look at the clinics that we put on. They're incredible. Yeah. You know, laser yeah. clinics and, and all that stuff. I mean, but, um, but I, I just kind of really, I just met the right people here in Ohio and, uh, some really successful coaches that have won that are, that are way better coaches than me. And I just try to be around them to learn and, and get better. And, um, and they just, like I said, they're guys that don't have egos that want to get better too. So they're always trying to learn from new people and, uh, we get together and share ideas or, you know, we're constantly texting each other like, Hey, what do you do in this situation or that? Or, Hey, how would you handle this? And, you know, our coaches association here in central Ohio is a really cool thing at our monthly meetings in the off season. We have a panel at every meeting. So we'll do like, Hey, this is the treasurer's report and blah, blah, blah. And all that crap. Thank our sponsors. And then they'll have like a certain um, group of coaches they'll put together from all over the state for a panel discussion um it'll be like you know master coaches like guys that have got like 30 years in won several state titles and they'll they'll get up there and they'll they'll ask them questions and they'll all take a turn answering them and then they'll have like you know guys that made playoff runs that particular year they'll have like an assistant coach panel with some really you know good successful assistant coaches around the area 
and it's it's really neat. It's really cool. And they and the guy, the the president, he he videotapes it and sends it out to everybody. So like I've got a file on my Google Drive with all these cool awesome. um, panel talks where guys are sharing ideas and stuff. It's really neat. And we got really lucky last year. Um, they got Greg Schiano and Urban to come out. Nice. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was really cool. And uh, they. Uh, that was, that was pretty neat. You know, being in Ohio, basically, you know, the birthplace of football and, you know, the, the cradle of coaches that, that they've always said. And I, I've known a, a few buddies that, you know, have, have grown up in it and they tell you about it. And you're like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then when you actually go out there and, you know, you, you go to, to McKinley High School and you see the Football Hall of Fame and, and you really start to kind of drill into some of the high schools and the coaches that come out of there, you're like, wow. You know, and, then, and it's like you said, it, there, there's not a lot of ego in in that state you know a lot of guys super willing to share just because they know how important the game is and and how cool it is and and how they're they're not guru status i mean i i love going to ohio and learning ball yeah it it, i always tell everybody like central ohio is really cool i mean i'm from here cincinnati was great i loved the my head coaching fraternity in cincinnati those guys were awesome um, and they're some of the best in the country. I mean, really. I mean, Steve Speck at St. St. X and Tom Bolden at Coleraine and, you know, uh, Rodenberg used to be at Mo- – yeah, absolutely. You know, Kerry Combs is you – know, you could argue he's the best DB coach in the NFL right now. Well, he was a high school guy in Cincinnati 10 years ago. Yeah. You know? Um, and uh, – so it's 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 really great but like central ohio is a really neat a really special place too because like on saturdays like if you go to kroger during the buckeye game kroger's a grocery store sorry i forgot who i was talking to but like if you go to the grocery store during the buckeye game first of all there's no one in there and two the game will be being broadcast over the like they won't be playing music like they normally put the music in the background you know at the grocery store it'll be Paul Keels calling the Buckeye game, you know, <laughs> while you're shopping. Now you'll be the only person in there, but, um, but, he, but he'll be shopping and listening to the game. I just think that's cool. You know, it just shows how important it is in this town. Um, and, uh, you know, growing up here was, you know, again, I'm not even a, not even a big Buckeye fan. My wife is, I mean, my daughter's name is Scarlett, you know I mean? <laughs> 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 so, um, but, uh, so I, it's 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 a special place, and there is there's a lot of good ball here, and like the Division three football here is incredible, you know, with yeah. Mount Union and, and Wittenberg and all those places, and Division two ball is really good here, you know, Ashland, ODU, and uh, Notre Dame College right now, up in Cleveland is in the I believe they're in the final yeah. four for Division two right now, so it is it's good stuff, and, and the high school ball is great, and you know, just about every stadium and you know in the state is packed on Friday nights. You know, to, to me, really paralleled uh, somewhat to Oklahoma football as well. And, and also with the, you know, um, with, with wrestling being such a big sport there, where, where in Oklahoma it's yep. kind of – it's a big thing too, where not so much like in Texas and, in, you know, some of our surrounding states where it's almost like we go, you know, got to go to Ohio where it's, it's obviously a little bigger in Ohio, but uh, another state where it's really big and – and I know it's a big deal for us. You know, we share a bunch of these wrestling guys, and and um, I think they were they were just up in Ohio at uh, I think it was Welsh Welsh Jesuit maybe. Uh, they they yeah. won a really big tournament. Uh, the guys just came back from it, but um, it, 
at your school is, is obviously I would assume is wrestling probably pretty big and and um, do you share a bunch of guys with with the wrestling team as well? Well, I tell you what, this is an interesting topic. So, my okay. linebackers coach is the head wrestling coach. Um, he was a he was a two time qualifier, I believe. Uh, if, if it was three, and I'm wrong, he's gonna he'll correct me. But <laughs> he was a multiple time qualifier um, for the state uh, state tournament as a wrestler, and I believe he was you know, honorable mention or, or, or something like that all stays a linebacker as well. Hmm. Um, he, he was a, so a pretty good athlete, um, at our school. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really trying to, the wrestling program was young. Like when he first came through, like it hadn't been there very long. It's very young. It might've been like in the first five years of its existence and him and his brother were really good. They had a nice run of guys who were state qualifiers and placers and stuff during the, late like you know from like 08 to like 2011 and then the program started to take a nosedive a little bit and uh and he's really got it coming back back up they got 40 plus kids in seventh and eighth grade wrestling right now i think he's got around 30 or 35 in the high school they've they've gone to two tournaments uh two weeks in a row and got first place in both of them um and we have one two three uh, you know there's probably half his wrestling team are probably football players. So, um, you know, we love it. I love that. I encourage even more kids to wrestle that didn't. I was kind of, you know, bummed that they didn't because, you know, it's really important, especially our nose guard. Our nose guard needs to go wrestle. Um, he squats 600 pounds. Like, how much stronger does he really need to get? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, like, no, go, I, I agree. And it's it's one of the best – and I know everyone's real high right now on multi-sport athletes, and I get it, or whatever, but to me – wrestling is one of the best ones that you could go do it, it's going to be you know during during the off season you know pretty quick in the off season it's going to be done fairly quickly and um especially like you said for those for those big guys but for anyone it's just kind of you got to go there you got to be tough you got to have tough workouts you're going to compete one-on-one and then and then when you're done with it uh you know you kind of just come back to football but uh it, we got quite a few guys that go over there and and i think they made a big difference for us in the uh in our state championship game, you know, as we hadn't won in a hundred and whatever, 10 years, something ridiculous. And two of our linebackers and, you know, our running back qualified for state, he went to state. And then our two linebackers are one's going to be a four-time state champion. One's going to be a three-time state champion. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I just think that the, the, you know, the moment wasn't too big when they went to go play in a football game, you know, they'd been out there in a singlet in front of thousands of people just them against another, you know, another young man wrestling for the state championship where now they're just one of 11 out on the field in front of, you know, and pads. It's, it's, you know, the moment wasn't too big for them and, and they had some confidence and, and, uh, you know, we work so well with those wrestling coaches. It's, it's a really cool deal. And, and you don't feel bad at all about your kids. And like you said, you even want to push, uh, quite a few of them over there. Hey, go wrestle. It's, it's such a good thing to do in the off season. You know, my, my, my nephew wrestles. He's like, I don't know, seven, I guess. And my brother, you know, threw him out there on the mat. Me, me and my brother never wrestled, right? We're basketball guys. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my my brother threw him out there on the mat when he's like four, right? And he's just getting his head caved in. And he's just – and I'm like, why? You know, why wrestling? He goes, <laughs> because he can't point the finger at anybody but himself when he loses. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, that's great parenting, dude. 
great job, man. <laughs> like, and and now and now he's stuck with it, and he and he's gotten better, and he's, he's he had a really good year last year, and he's he's pretty good at it. So, um, you know, I thought that was a really interesting point. Like, that's the that might be the best part about wrestling is you can't point the finger at anybody. Like, you lost. It was on you. Like, there's right. no teammate. There's, you know, like, there's no teammate to blame it on. Like, it, it's you. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing that we, we have in our program, we're really lucky, is my running backs coach is the sprint coach for the track team. Wow, yes, that is nice. Perfect. So so he, he programs all of our sprint work um, in the off season, and then, uh, you know, obviously in the preseason as well. Um, and, and then most of our kids go run track. I mean, our our track, our sprinters, our jumpers, and our throwers on our track team are all football guys. Ninety-five percent of them are football guys. So, um, so you know, it, it's really good. And then their in-season strength program, I write their strength program for them. So I know exactly what my guys are doing in the weight room during track season. Yes, that is so, great. It's 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 a great marriage. It really is, and and then I've got the you know the, the marriage with the wrestling program as well. So it's 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 uh, we're really lucky. It's a it's a huge benefit for us, um, and I and I think he does it. He makes our kids fast. He really does. Um, I'm you know that's his thing, man. He's really good at it. Really passionate about it, and I give him ownership. And he's always like, "Hey, what do you think?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Just, whatever you say, we're gonna do it, man." Like. I trust you. Like that's why I've given you this this job. So um, he's he's really he's really good. So he's actually going to do the uh, certification. When is it? Friday? Was it R RPR? Is that right? The the reset stuff. I have um, no idea. Yeah, I'm that, not I'm not up to speed on that. Oh man, it's this new this new deal where they're basically teaching kids how to move like mm. all over again. Okay. Like they make them like they make them like crawl like babies and teach them how to like redo all their body movements from the ground up, and it's made huge impacts on them athletically. Huh. So yeah, just like anything else, like if you take a kid, you know, he is bad. You teach him how to shoot a basketball, and you don't teach him how to do it the right way. Like he's and he gets older, and no one fixes that broke jumper that he has. It probably stays broke, right? Sure. Just like your gait the way you run, the way you move, it's the same thing. If you create a bad habit, eventually it just, you know, it's muscle memory and that's how you do it. Well, it's not the most effective way to move. So they've re they're reprogramming these kids hmm. uh, and teaching them how to move all over again. He's going to get certified in that this week. So that could be, a, could be a huge thing for our, our kids as well. Well, I always tell I always tell a story. Um, when I was at Houston, obviously they got a really great track program. Uh, I think they they were nationally ranked this year. But anyways, we had a kid named Patrick Edwards, uh, really fast walk on kid, but he was really fast and always really good. Uh, he was the kid. I don't know if you remember, but he was playing against Marshall. They threw it out of the back of the end zone. He broke his leg on a uh, um, on a band cart, like completely tore his leg in half. I mean, complete huge break. It was a big deal. Um, but, but anyways, he was already a fast kid, but he broke his leg. And so uh, he's got to take all his time off. And they say he actually gets faster after that because uh, he gets to go on with those track coaches and they completely, from the ground up, retaught him how to, how to run. You know, and so it was like 
getting to work with a fresh start because he had to spend so much time with that broken leg off of it that now just, you know, teaching him, reteaching him how to walk, he'd re, be retaught all of that. And so helped him become even a, a faster player. And he was, uh, he was, he, you know, broke I don't know, every record there was over at Houston as a, as a receiver and, and in the conference and kind of a cool deal. And, and kind of along that same line that you're talking about, it just reteaching from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what he comes back with. Um, but, um, Cal Dietz is a part of it. You know, the uh, strength coach at Minnesota mm-hmm. who created the triphasic system. I mean, I'm familiar you guys are with that stuff, but he's also a part of this um, uh, performance reset stuff. So um, it's uh, – and he's, he's, he's got – he's really good. I, it's a little, little scary, though, because I listened to a podcast yesterday morning from one of the other owners of it or, or founders of this system. And the guy said that his track athletes don't touch a weight the whole season. So oh, that is scary. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sounds lift. good. We'll do part of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If we did, if we didn't lift weights, we wouldn't have went nine and one. I can tell you that That's we, exactly had, we had kids, right. we had kids PR in uh, week 10 in the weight room. Jeez. What a huge deal. And, and that's, that's the cool part. Yeah, that's a cool part about seeing Alabama and New England. And, I mean, they're all doing it in season. It's, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, you got to be smart about your volume. Like, sure. You know, you know that's a big thing. But you got you to gotta watch, watch your kids, too. Like, so you guys were talking earlier when we first started, we talked about similarities between basketball or what I learned from basketball. The transition. My, my, my last year as a head basketball coach, I – I ran my kids in the ground in practice going into the pre the postseason, and we lost the district championship because we had no legs, and it was all my fault. Mm. Like I was, I was, uh, you know, I was like, we're not changing anything. You know, I was twenty eight. I didn't yeah. know anything. I was an idiot, right? <laughs> we're not changing a thing. We're going to practice the same way we always do, and I learned a lot. And I've always. The closer I get to week ten, I temper things back. Um, every year since then, and, um, and I, I, you, know, you want to peak right in the postseason, so um, we we really try to watch our volume in the weight room. Uh, we still lift, so we lift twice a week, um, and um, uh, yeah, we lift twice a week, and we give them Saturdays off completely. That was new this year. Um, did that too. I, I, I did some some research on stress, stress management, and how mental stress slows down recovery physically. So you, even if you bring your kids in and just watch film, and they gotta sit there and get like yelled at in front of everybody because they screwed up, missed a block, or missed a tackle, or felt you know what I mean, and they're still in a room. It's a stressful situation in front of their peers. It adds stress to them mentally. You got them up early after a late night. Um, it slows down recovery. And on Monday, they don't have the energy that you need to, to go hard. Our hardest practice, our hardest practices are Mondays. Um, we give them Saturday off so we can go hard on Monday. And, um, and, and it's it's our most competitive practice, um, and and by far our hardest and our longest too. So 
this year I was like, we're not coming in at all. You know, I encourage them to come in and watch a JV game on Saturday morning. You know, they don't have to, but I encourage them to come in. And, of course, if they need treatment with the trainers, they got to come in. But, um, and then, you know, we watch film as a staff. We we send clips to them. We, we, we grade every kid so they get a grade. And they'll have clips they need to watch where they, they made mistakes and things. But, it, I'm, I'm, I may never bring him in again on a Saturday. Um, yeah, we, we ended up switching to that too, Coach, just for the simple reason. I mean, you had kids taking college visits or they go watch a game. Or you uh-huh. had coaches that wanted to go do the same thing. We'd get our work done in the morning, and then we wouldn't meet, we'd meet with the kids then on Sunday night. So we'd have time to actually put in a game plan, install what we wanted to do uh, all day Sunday, and then we could you know make corrections from – the, the previous game on Friday that night. And then we could also install the game plan. So like you said, come Monday, we're rolling. And we'd already, we'd already mm-hmm. talked about what we wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm usually by, by the end of practice on Wednesday, I'm ready to kick off. I'm ready to play. You yep. know, walkthrough is, is a formality at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ready to get on to the next day. Yeah. Thursday practices yeah. are brutal. <laughs> They they can be. I tell you what, man. I've worked I've worked for some. Uh, I remember um, some long Thursday practices oh. in my in my career, and I and the longer I coach, man, the faster they go. That's like, awesome. The faster our kids are efficient with. Like we do more in pre practice than anything. Like so on Thursdays, our JV and freshmen, or I'm sorry, our freshmen. They're off practicing by themselves on Thursday. Our JV's lifting, and then I do some special team stuff. I did I do coordinate all the special teams last year, even though I didn't really have a position. So um, we'll do some special team stuff, um, and then I give I let my offensive coordinator do plays on air as many reps as he can get in about a 10 12 minute period, and then we're doing form rec. We call it communication period not form rack, we call it communication periods when our kids talking, right? And, you know, that was a big thing for us was if our kids just get lined up right, their fundamentals take over, we'll play ball. We're exactly good. Exactly right. Yep. So so we got extra reps. That was the other thing we always talk about, like steal reps. Like how are we gonna steal reps this week? So we would steal reps on Thursday. And um that's how we did it. And then when the J V came down, when they were done lifting and they got dressed and they came down the field then we then we start our our our, uh, our walkthrough, and I have a script. And we I mean we we do everything. We we take a safety, and you know we have defensive touchdown. We're the defense that's around the field for PAT block, and you know we try to every scenario that that might be in a game. We try I I program it in, but um, we go boom 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 and fly through it, and it's about forty it's about forty minutes. That's it. So we actually spend probably as much time in pre-practice than we do actually Thursday walking through. So, and I, I even asked our seniors, like, are you guys cool with Thursdays? Do you feel like you get what you need out of it? Do you want more? Like, and they're like, no, we love it. I'm like, all right. And then we have an alumni speaker every Thursday that comes and speaks after walkthrough. Someone that played at Canal um, talks about, you know, what the program means to them and the sport what the sport means to them. And um, I mean, I, I think that's really good for our kids to hear, like to see guys that are, that aren't coaches. Cause obviously their coaches love the game. And right. Miss it. 
Yeah. But like to see people that, that aren't involved in the game every day and how much it still means to them, I think that's important. So we do that. That's cool. Well, Coach, kind of coming up on the end of it, uh, the last question I always like to ask, um, it's always really, you know, kind of a selfish question really, but um, when, you're, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things that you'd see their offensive line doing that would uh, make you think really highly of their offensive line, Coach? Ah, um, one, they, like, they hurry up and get set. They have, they have a giddy-up in their step when they get to the line whether they're no huddle or whether they're breaking a huddle. Uh, and you can see them talking. They're pointing. They're turning and communicating. with other. If they're communicating a whole bunch, you're in for a long night. Hmm. Um, I, first thing. It's the first thing I look at. Um, and then I would say, uh, most importantly, is, is do they finish? Do they, do they play for six seconds? Um, or do they play, you know, do they play for, you know, one, are they one step? Are they guys that play on, I say it, that, that they play on a sewer lid, right? <laughs> do, they, do they play on a sewer lid or are they guys that, that move? You know, like I said earlier, I think, I think um, playing together and having good feet are, are the two most important things for me in the offensive line. So that's why that communication piece is so important when I watch an offensive line. Are they communicating really well? And do they get off the sewer lid? And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.